Praise God. Let's stand up, please, family. If you have had a difficult life, if you've had serious challenges in your life, <clears throat> if you've had a mountain too high to climb or too challenging to climb, you're in the right place today. God's about to bless you. I want to encourage you to pay close attention to what you're going to hear today. Don't be distracted. This is extremely powerful, and it's from, straight from the heart of God to your heart to encourage you and bless you and inform you of His love for you. Amen? Amen. Dear Father, we bow before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you. For your precious word, as I come to teach today, I make it known that I'm not trusting in human ability to teach, but I am trusting in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. I thank you now that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love. To each person's mind, under the sound of my voice, bring understanding and remove confusion, that you will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling all fear, for which we give you alone all the praise, the honor, and the glory, for all that your word and your Holy Spirit will accomplish here today, in Jesus' name. And all as the love of the Lord said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our subject is titled, the Heavenly Father Loves His Children, and this is part three in our series. Next weekend will be the final part in the series. I've told the story before, but I'd like to introduce it into this message about the judge who lived in a little town, and uh, he had a son about 20 years old. He's about to have his 21st birthday, and he wanted his father to buy him a large motorbike for his birthday gift. And uh, this young man was rebellious, lazy, he didn't work, he didn't follow instructions, totally opposite to his father. And his father kept saying to him, son, I, I can't buy this motorbike for you because I'm concerned. I'm a judge here in this little town. And uh, You'll go speeding up and down the streets, and you get caught, then I'm going to be embarrassed. So he said, Dad, I promise I won't speed. And uh, no, he said, I'm not buying it. He carried on nagging and nagging, pestering his dad. Eventually, his dad gave in and bought this bike for him, made him promise he wouldn't speed. And uh, a few weeks later, the dad heard that he was speeding up and down this, these little streets in this little town. Had a little fellowship with his son and said, Now, son, I, I asked you and you promised me. He said, Dad, you know, there's only one policeman in this little town. And I don't know where he's at. He's not going to catch me. And I'm watching myself. He said, Don't do it. A little while later, he got caught doing 80 miles an hour in a 30 zone. So he stood before his father in the court. His father had his robe on. He's the judge there. And he had to find him guilty. And the penalty was six months in jail or $2,000 fine. 
And he began to cry out in court saying, you said you love me. You said you love me. How can you do this to me? You know I don't have any money. I'm going to have to go to jail for, for six months. And he carried on and on and on. Eventually his father came down, took his robe off, came down to where his son was standing. And he said, son, while I was up there, I was the judge. And I'm a righteous judge. I have to uphold the law for the protection of everybody. But down here, I'm your father. So he has the check for $2,000. Do you want it? His son had a decision to make. Do I go to jail or take the gift? Every person who doesn't know Jesus has that choice to make. Do I take the gift that God has sent us? Who took punishment in my place so I don't have to. His name is Jesus. Do I accept him as my savior? Or do I? go to hell for eternity. Praise God, I believe we've made that choice correctly. Amen? Amen. So we want to see from that story that God is a judge, but he's also a father. Amen? A loving father at that. So he judges us guilty, but he paid the price. He paid the fine. Amen? Since the Father, God, is 100% all love, one can understand that he would long for a family of love to be loved back in return. A family of people on his level that he could have stimulating conversation with them. Stimulating conversation with his family. A family on his level because... He wanted to have meaningful fellowship with his family. If we were not created on his level, then it would not be possible for God to have meaningful, stimulating fellowship with us. For example, imagine going out in the meadows, finding an old brown cow chewing the cud, stand in front of it for an hour, and have some fellowship. How would that go? Not so well. You wouldn't get stimulated. Wouldn't be meaningful to you. If it is, we need to pray for you. <laughs> God wanted a family who out of their own free will would choose to worship him. And robots could not satisfy God's intelligence. And robots could not satisfy God's loving heart. Let's see what happens. How this all rolled out. Go please to Genesis 1 verse 9. I hope you have your Bibles with you in church today. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 9. We're about to read how God created everything. This is very interesting. You're going to see some things here that you have never seen before. All right? How God created everything. And we are reading Genesis 1-9. This is the creation that took place on the third day. Say third day. And God said, let the waters beneath the sky be gathered into one place so dry ground may appear. And so it was. God named the dry ground land. 
and the waters he named seas. And God saw that it was good. So God created the earth on the third day. Then God said, let the land burst forth with every sort of grass and seed-bearing plant. And let there be trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. The seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, which they came and so it was. The land was filled with seed-bearing plants and trees, and their seeds produced plants and trees of like kind. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the third day. All right, now let's see what happened on the fourth day. So you see the third day, God created the earth, right? The land, the seas, and all that. Verse 14, and so God said, let bright lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. They will be signs to mark off the seasons. All right? So the sun, he's talking about the sun, will bring about seasons on the earth, days and years. That's what the sun will do for us. Let their light shine there. That's more than one. That's the moon included. Let their light shine down on the earth. And so it was. Let the sun and the moon's light shine on the earth. He's still talking about the sun and the moon here in the next verse. For God made two great lights, the sun and the moon, to shine down upon the earth. The greater one, the sun, presides during the day. The moon presides through the night. He also made the stars. So he made the stars then on the fourth day as well, right? The sun, the moon, the stars on the fourth day. God set these lights in the heavens to light the earth. Why did he set them in the heavens? To light the earth. To govern the day and night. And to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the fourth day. All right, verse 20, now we're going to see what happened on the fifth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life, let the skies be filled with birds and every kind, of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every sort of fish and every kind of bird, and God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, let the fish multiply and fill the oceans, let the birds increase and fill the earth. This will happen on the fifth day. Now what happened on the sixth day? And God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of animal. Livestock, small animals, and wildlife, and so it was, including dinosaurs. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals. Each animal to reproduce more of its own kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. Now watch that. Let us make people in our image. Now, and God said, now the word God there is Elohim in the Hebrew. That's the Hebrew language for God and Elohim. And it actually is plural, not singular. It should be God's. And throughout the Bible, wherever the word Elohim is written in Hebrew, it's plural, God's, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in creation. You can see that. Then God said, let us, 
That's more than one, right? Make people an owl. That's more than one, right? Owl is more than one. Image. To be like ourselves. Ourselves is more than one, right? You got it? In that verse, you got about four or five proofs of God being more than one. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In perfect harmony and perfect unity. Therefore, they are one in purpose and mind and heart. Just like a married man and woman are one flesh, but they're two people. Now, then God said, let us make man in our image to be like ourselves. Said this, God created me in his own image, in his own likeness, so that he could have meaningful, stimulating fellowship with me on his level. They will be masters over all life. The fish over all life. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals, and small animals. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and told them, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Subdue means conquer, tame. Be masters over, your, over the fish, the birds, and all the animals. And the dinosaurs. Every planet in the sky, every star, has its own orbit to travel. There are literally trillions and trillions of stars and planets, hemispheres, galaxies, constellations, trillions. And every single one of them has an orbit that they go in. None of the stars or planets collide with each other because they're all connected together in perfect harmony with gravity between the planets. They all have a gravity out there, an order, and they're all connected. Can you imagine the complexity of that? creating that. God thought it out mathematically and then said it. Wow. Every constellation, every galaxy of the entire universe is held together by the command of Christ. Nothing was created that was not created by Him. The Father gave authority. Christ spoke it. The Holy Spirit went out and brooded on the waters. According to Hebrews 1 verse 3, it's not up on your screen, you can write it down. New Living Translation says, Christ sustains the universe by the mighty power of his command. In other words, the universe continues to function the way Christ told it to function until he changes that. God decided that the times and seasons needed on earth would be provided for by the sun, and God decided that the ocean tides needed on the earth would be provided by the moon. Clearly, God created the universe for the earth. Can you see that? Say that. God created the universe for the earth. And did you know that the earth is uniquely positioned 
It has a unique position from which it can see. Anybody on Earth with a strong enough telescope can look in all directions and see the entire universe from the Earth's position. And there's no other place in the entire universe that has that viewpoint. Why did God create the earth? He created the earth for his children, for his sons and for his daughters, for you. Why did God create you? He created you for himself. He created you for himself. You see, love created everything so that love could be fulfilled. God is love. And God created everything out of a motive of love so that love could be fulfilled, not only in our hearts, but his, hearts, his heart and all of us could experience God's love together. Love gave his children every resource they could ever need on the earth, not only to exist, but to thrive. For example, in the ground, he gave us silver and gold and minerals and set in a beautiful paradise called earth, full of valleys and hills, streams, green trees, flowers, and fruit trees. The lion would play with the lamb. There was no danger for God's children in his plans. And the father would walk and talk with his children in the cool of the day and enjoy the fellowship he longed for. All this is confirmed in the Psalms. Psalm 8, verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Now that word angels is actually Elohim. We've just explained to you that that's God's God, deity. So you can read it this way. For God, you made man a little lower than yourself, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him, now watch this, verse 6. I read everything to read verse 6. You have made man to have dominion. That means to rule as the owner. You have made man to have dominion, to be God, over all, over the works of your hands. Of the works of your hands. That means the stars, the sun, the moon. You have put all things under his feet. That's talking about all the angels, all Satan and demons. Now, God didn't make the devil bad, he made him good. He was an archangel, he used to lead worship in heaven. He's created with musical instruments in his being. So he would stand up. And the most beautiful orchestra would play from him. He'd lead worship, but he decided to exalt himself and wanted to sit on God's throne and take over the universe. He lost everything because of his pride. So, <clears throat> God put everything under man's authority, including Satan demons, angels, and the universe, the animals, all the creatures. And as we have already heard, God created man to be like himself, 
for companionship and fellowship. Man was put in charge of everything. God made man and gave him the privilege of reproduction. So he could give birth to the eternal family of God. Think about that. God said, I want you to multiply. So God gave him the privilege of populating the earth and populating heaven. God gave us the honor of providing his eternal family for him. Not only by creating more, born, more, more, more people on earth, but getting them saved by accepting Christ so they can go to heaven. You see, God, being God, when he created everything, he could have populated the entire planet of 10 billion people right there and then and given us no ability to, re-pop- to repopulate. Right? And then he could have tested our hearts right there to see who goes up, who goes down. But he didn't. He gave us the privilege of populating his eternal home. And creating his family. We are part of his creating of his eternal family. We are part of that. He didn't make his eternal family by himself. He's allowing us to be part of that. What a privilege. Satan hates that. He doesn't want God to have any children in heaven. Satan doesn't want babies to be born. He wants God to live alone in heaven. He wants God to live alone in heaven. God gave Adam legal dominion over all his creation. Adam gave it all away, including himself to Lucifer, God's enemy. He gave everything that God gave him to the devil. See, when he ate that forbidden fruit, Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. Adam ate that fruit knowing what he was doing. So Adam chose, hear this, to walk away from God and to walk into slavery. He chose to be a slave of Satan and give all his authority to Satan and to submit to the devil himself. So now The devil has authority over all God's creation, including his man, Adam and Eve. He's the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls the devil the God of this world. Not your God, but the unsaved is their God. They don't realize it, but that's who he is. He's their God. Satan's nature, which is death, hatred, jealousy... Murder, lust, entered Adam and all the animals at that moment. The Father's nature is love, forgiveness, and joy and peace. Man needed more than forgiveness now. Man needed to be born out of death into life. Now let's see what happens. Ephesians 6, Ephesians 2 verse 1. How did God bring man out of death into life? Go carefully and look with me, please. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm using the New Living Translation. Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins, 
You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Say that Satan is in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. We used to be there, family. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature, Satan's nature, which were born with an evil, we were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He so loved us, and He loved us so very much. See, God shows mercy because of His great love, family. God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. Say this, when God raised Christ from the dead, at that moment, life, as God has it, became ours to accept. It's only by God's special favor that you have been saved. Now, we were dominated by evil spirits, by the evil prince of darkness, working in us to carry out his plans. We were dominated by this evil prince of darkness, working in us to carry out his plans. There's a very big movement in the earth right now where Satanism is rising as a prominent religion in the world. I don't know if you saw where they're worshiping that big bull with blood coming out of its eyes. Did you see that? The Satanists. It's on YouTube, whatever it is. Thousands of people gathered to worship the devil. And they, they got these people commenting on this and commentating on it. So, we were dominated by evil the evil prince of darkness working in us at one time, carrying out his plans, just like we are now influenced by the precious Holy Spirit who works in us to carry out the Father's plans. Say so that the precious Holy Spirit works in me now. He is in my heart to carry out the Father's plans. It was all because of the Father's great love for us that he showed us so much mercy. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Watch that. He who hears my word, he who listens to my word, believes it, and believes in God who sent me, has everlasting life. That's God's life. That's not just living forever. Those in hell are existing forever. This is not talking about existing forever. This is talking about life as God has it. God's spirit, God's life, Zoe, entering you. All right? He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has God's everlasting life or nature and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. 
You will not stand at the great white throne judgment where all the unsaved are judged and sent to hell. You will not be there. You will stand at the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for your works of service. Now, Satan, his realm is the realm of death. Satan's realm is death. The Father's realm is life. Verse 25, we're still reading from, uh, from John 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Jesus is saying, whoever hears the word of God will pass out of Satan's realm of death into the Father's realm of life. That's before he died and rose. Now, since he rose from the dead, anybody that hears the word of God and believes it in their heart passes instantly from death into life. Just that simple, that quick. Why was this possible? Remember, man was lost. He turned away from God. He chose slavery in Satan's kingdom. Satan, that's who he chose, not God. Remember that. He wasn't forced to do this. He was in charge. He was in authority. Adam chose Satan's kingdom instead. Therefore, the creator of the stars, the creator of the sun, the moon, the earth, the birds, the animals, the insects, the dinosaurs, all of them were on Noah's ark. I'm sure the dinosaurs were young when they went on the ark. Not full grown. God knows what he needed. The stars, the sun, the moon, the earth, the animals, the birds, insects, mankind, the son of God himself, the creator, the one who created all this, the son of God himself, came to rescue us from ourselves. He came to rescue us from ourselves because we chose to walk away from God. It was our choice. It was Adam's choice. Mankind chose to walk away from God. God came. God the Son, Christ, came to rescue us from ourselves. He had to help us make a decision to choose Him instead of the devil. Come back. He had to enter the realm of death and take our place and take the full punishment of our collective sin before God. Take the full punishment of our collective sin before God. Love pursued us in the realm of death. He pursued us in the realm of hate. He went right into the realm, the depth of the damned searching for his lost love. He went into hell itself, searching for his lost love that turned away from him with no way of possibly coming back into fellowship. The prophet Isaiah revealed Christ's suffering in, in, suffering in hell 
You can see that in Isaiah 53. Write that down. Isaiah 53 talks about Christ's suffering in hell. And that happened many years before Christ was actually born. Isaiah 53 was written. But I want to read from Psalm 88, which also talks about Christ's suffering in hell. What we're about to read in Psalm 88 is profound. It's amazing because this psalm actually takes us into the fires of hell and you will actually experience or hear or understand what Christ was going through right there in the burning fires of hell for those three days. This psalm explains that. And this psalm was written before he went into the fires, before he went into hell. All right, ready, let's read. This is Christ now, while he's in hell talking, and also previously while he's on the cross. O Lord, God of my salvation, I've cried out day and night before you. This is Christ talking to his Father. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to me, to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted counted with those who go down to the pit, to hell. I'm like a man who has no strength. Remember, Bill Weiss told us about that. He had no strength down there. Adrift among the dead, like the stain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, like the slain, so you lie in the grave, you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, the worst part of hell, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies upon heavy upon me. You have afflicted me with all your waves. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. The disciples fled from him, right? You have made me an abomination to them. I'm shut up. I cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Now watch this. Shall the dead rise and praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Shall your loving kindness be declared in hell? Or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Will your faithfulness be declared in hell? Shall your wonders be known in the darkness of hell and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? Remember, this is him talking in the fires of hell. But to you I have cried out to Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? He had to experience what lost souls experience in the fires of hell. God turned his back on him because of our sin. I've been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They come around me all day long like water. 
They engulf me together. Love one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. As I said, this is a picture of our Creator. Our Creator, suffering in hell in our place, banished by God as we should be banished, experiencing the judgment of our pain and the pain of every human that has ever been born or combined at the same time. He took all of our punishment collectively at the same time. Therefore, no one else in all of eternity has ever been asked to bear such suffering. No one in all eternity has ever been asked to bear such suffering. What made him do that? His love for you and me. Not only did he create the universe for us, but then he went after us to rejected him. This is where love proclaimed God's goodness and loving kindness. Right there in hell, we heard it. He proclaimed God's goodness and loving kindness to those who were in hell at that time. And to Satan and demons, he proclaimed God's goodness and loving kindness while he was suffering with our pain. Why did he do that? Because they needed to understand that he was there, that he was there taking our death. He came to save us. They all need to know, Satan, demons, the angels, those in hell, all need to know that he was there taking our punishment. He came there looking for us to save us. That's why he said all that in the fires of hell. The heathen and even Satan has no more grounds to doubt or challenge the Father's love for his children. The devil can never doubt or challenge God's love for you. If he tells you God doesn't love you, he knows he's lying. Then on the third day, the Holy Spirit came down into the Dark, dam, uh, dark pits of the damned. The life of God entered into Christ and he stood up on his feet. Risen from the dead. My book on the covenant explains all those, whatever happened there. It's an amazing story. He walked over to the devil, took the keys of death and of hell. Took the keys of death and of hell. What's those keys? It's the authority that God gave to Adam that Adam submitted to the devil. So the devil was the legal right. He had the legal right to run God's universe, but not the moral right, but the legal right. That's why God could not just get rid of the devil because he had Adam's authority to do what he's doing. And if God just got rid of the devil, he would not be operating in justice. So he had to beat the devil the way he did. There was no other way. So, hell and heaven cannot criticize God the way He saved us and redeemed us. Took the keys. Took back the dominion of Adam. He took back the dominion that He gave to Satan. Jesus has that dominion. 
Jesus the man wanted as a man. That's what he said in Matthew 28, 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All. He has the dominion. He has the keys. Revelation chapter 1, it says, I have the keys. Now all those who believe what Christ has done for them are immediately transferred out of death into life. Immediately. Out of Satan's kingdom into Christ's kingdom. We who understand what he's done are overwhelmed by his love and appreciation. We will worship the Father with our whole heart. We'll never walk away like Adam did. Amen. Amen. We will never walk away like Adam did. How can we walk away from the one who loves us more than anyone can ever love us? And what chance do we have if we reject such love? What chance do we have in this life and eternity if we reject this love? For all eternity, we will very gladly worship our Father who deserves it. And with grateful hearts, we will enjoy fellowship with our Father and dwell in the Father's love. Amen? Let's just lift our hands and thank Him. Let's lift our hands and thank Him for His goodness, His mercy, His love. Let's just thank Him. Go ahead. You just talk to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for Your goodness, Your love, Your mercy. We're going to sing a worship song together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up on the platform. I just feel like I want to worship God one more time before I go home. Can we sing one song and worship Him? Let's stand up. Where's the worship team? Come on up quickly. Take the pulpit down, please, somebody. Now, next weekend, we will teach one more part, one more part of this message. Now, the service hasn't finished yet. Don't run out. No time to leave. Somebody said, why do you sing so long? Why do you worship God so much in this church? Really? Why do we worship God so much? Are you kidding me? Are we worshiping God too much? Is that possible? All right. Let's worship.
Let the love. 